Are you ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 43 of the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's episode is called Kimra. Now, this episode is a little bit different than what you're used to hearing with our podcast because we're featuring an interview with Kimra Luna. Kimra Luna is known by millions for her brave and audacious brand online. She's gone from welfare to millionaire in just the span of a few short years. And although she has tremendous business acumen and expertise, in our interview today, we're going to take it a little bit more personal. We're going to talk to her about her role as a newly single mother her spirituality, and her new project called Sacred Mama that she's launching this winter. We hope you enjoy the listen. Welcome, Kimra, to our podcast. We've, we're really excited to have you here. This has been months in waiting, and um, so welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So we want to go ahead and just dive right in with you to talk about some of the meaning behind the decisions you've been making in your business. And I think a lot of folks already know your story, so we're not going to spend too much time on that. But just for a really brief overview for folks who don't know who you are, um, Kimra Luna is uh, an online personality who is known for being a pioneer in, in sort of the branding space. And now you have a brand new venture, right, called Sacred Mama. So maybe if you could just give us like the three sentence description of your journey so far in business. Yeah. So journey so far has been, well, it's kind of a lot of things um, because I've been an entrepreneur since I was 18. So I've had many businesses, Um, but my current business, you know, it was all focused primarily on helping people build personal brands, build their online businesses and that type of thing. But before that, I actually had a health and wellness blog. I had a vegan mommy blog, and that's actually what led me into what I'm currently doing. And now it's kind of funny because I'm almost going a little bit backwards a little bit. Um, My new blog isn't going to be focused necessarily on health and wellness, but it is going to be focused on more like spirituality and motherhood and that sort of stuff. So I'm going back to the mall. Um, But I'm not leaving what I have. I'm actually just going to have two brands. So there's going to be two of Kimra. Um, and Sacred Mama is all about creating those conscious conversations, um, not only about parenting topics, but also um, just, you know, topics that I feel are somewhat controversial, um, but need to be discussed. Fabulous. That is exactly like us. We have Mm -hmm. two brands, which can be complicated and confusing sometimes. And also we're trying to focus on those conscious controversial conversations. So in that way, we're really similar. Um, so I just want to dive in and start asking you some, some questions and feel free to riff on them. However you feel, you know, you want to take it. So right now, what more than anything is giving you hope about the business world or about your journey in business? Um, I think just the fact that even when I post something that I think is going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. I get a lot of people that actually it lights them up and makes them excited um, because I definitely had a lot of fears of like speaking my truth for a long time. And I still have some fears. Obviously, everybody has a little bit of fears when they're speaking their truth. Um, but I feel finally like I'm at a place where I'm able to be comfortable to share a lot of things that most people don't know about me. Like a lot of people see 
my online story. They're like, oh yeah, she was like on welfare like four years ago. Now she's like a millionaire, blah, blah, blah. Like they see that. But that's all really the surface. And um, that's all the stuff that, honestly, I don't even care about that story. Like that story to me isn't what's really um, going to be the thing that's going to be inspiring millions of people around the world. Um, and so I'm more working towards that. So I have a, I have a lot of hope for my, my new brand and a lot of hope for the new content that's going to be coming out. And Kimra, on that note, I'd love to hear your the transition from that old brand to the new brand. Was it something that was bubbling underneath for a long time that you were afraid to speak? Or um, did it just sort of suddenly happen? And I, um, I'm familiar with your Medium post where you described that public speaking, um, where you had to actually stand up on stage and tell that story. Was that the moment that you switched and decided, yes, this is the direction I'm going to go? Or was it sort of bubbling for a long time? Um, I wanted to open Sacred Mama for at least almost three years. Like ever since I was pregnant with my third son, I wanted to um, open it. Um, but, and right now it's not even a business. Like I don't even call it a business. Like it, it's just a blog. It's just me talking and seeing where it goes. Um, you know, and it, who knows, it might be, you know, my billion dollar idea. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's always been something that's part of me and it was what I was doing before. You know, before I was speaking my truth and, and I'm currently going through a divorce and something that was very difficult during my marriage is my, my ex didn't like me to say things. Like, he didn't like me to talk about the fact that I was abused when I was younger. He didn't like to talk about the fact that I was molested. He didn't like to talk me to talk about the fact that I was raped. Um, but now I'm getting divorced, so it doesn't matter what the hell he thinks, right? So um, the second, you know, we decided to get divorced, that's when, that day, that's when I launched the blog. Um, because it was like, it was kind of like it was time for it to be unleashed to the world. Do you identify with being a female founder and in what ways has being a woman in business impacted you, do you think? Um, I do identify with being a female founder. I mean, I know, you know, technically on paper, my husband did help me found my company, uh, but the whole company has been me. You know, like all the strategy, all the business, you know, every single spec of it has been me. And, you know, I do identify as that. And I do find, like, it can be interesting being a female founder. Like, when I go to an event and there's, like, 30 men there and then there's, like, three women and I'm just like, where are all the other women entrepreneurs at? Like, what's going on? Um, you know, so some there have been some times where things have been kind of weird, um, just being, like, one of the only females in the room. Um, but I do find that it's something where I'm really grateful that I'm in this position because I know that I can help encourage and inspire other women to go after, you know, and create their businesses that they want to create. Um, I read this article the other day where these two women, they were founding a company and they, they, they did pretend that there was a man as one of the founders. And I was like, you know what? That is a brilliant idea. Like, I want to do that now, you know, like, um, so, but it's because it's very difficult for women to get, you know, investors and things like that. Um, I know like with like Birchbox, they were turned down over 60 times. Their idea was freaking brilliant. Like why did these men not do it? And it's because they have a vagina. That's really the only reason. Like there wasn't any other reason for people not to invest. And then once a few people did start to invest, then other people came back and did invest in them. But they were declined 60 times because of what's between the legs. And so that's a very interesting uh, thing when it comes to female founders. And I think it's more discussion that needs to, to keep happening 
because there still is a bias against like, oh, you're a female business owner, you know, versus a male business owner. The business world is still male dominated. Um, and the funny thing is, though, is I was watched, I, I was t- uh, t- thinking about um, Shark Tank. And most of the businesses that are the most successful that were that got funds from people on Shark Tank are actually the female-ran businesses. The other businesses have all like been basically crashing, um, and all of the women-owned ones are actually successful. So um, I think there's something where men should start paying attention to what women are doing uh, because uh, we have um, some sort of little knack that I don't think the men have. So. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We're a software company run by women, and we've been told before that we're not diverse enough, and so we're not worthy of investment because we're only women. So that's another way of like getting it backhanded at us. And also, there's a new trend in the Valley for, for startups where male founders don't even want to bring a female onto their team because female-founded companies that have just one female even are four times less likely to get funding from venture-backed companies. It's ter- It's terrible. It's really, really horrible, especially when, I mean, like, um, the coach who, uh, who I hire, I don't currently work with him, but I, I worked with him for about a year, he's a business coach, and he only works with women. Hmm. Um, and the reason why is because he sees that there's something different in them that needs to be out in the business world, and he, you know, works with, like, you know, billionaires in, like, the oil industry and all this sorts of stuff. So he works with a lot of, of, of men and has for 20 years, um, but recently he's, like, more about working women because he's like women have something that their ideas are just it's just so different they use a different part of their brain when they're coming up with these ideas and when they're strategizing and things like that and he always told me he's like I, he's like I literally don't know where all this strategy comes from it just flows through you I said that's because I'm intuitive I'm a woman mm-hmm. you know and he's like yeah that makes sense <laughs> you know like like I'm using my intuition when I'm flowing through my strategies. Um, and even when I'm working with clients, like that's what I'm using when I'm guiding them. They're like, wow, brilliant idea. It's like, I know it just came to me right this second. And it is flowing. It's just flowing. Yeah. And I think women have this different sense of flowing um, that men don't tend to have. And and when you were building your first brand, Be True, um, be true brand you is that, did you, did you have to fight the influence out there on the internet marketing world? Like, all these people, um, all these big name kind of online celebrities doing things a certain way. Did you ever feel like you had to do it that way because that was sort of the model of success that was in front of you? Or were you always confident in that intuition and in just knowing what your your followers wanted or doing, you know, fe- making it feel right for you? Did you ever have a battle? I've never once have wanted to do anything else anybody else is doing. Like, not just even in my life in general. You know, I see myself being unique. Of course, I mean, watching this, I have purple hair. My hair is like a mohawk, like shaved on the sides. Like, I have tattoos plastered all over my body. I obviously don't want to be like how anybody else is. Um, and that's something that's just kind of an innate thing. But I remember seeing, like, oh, my gosh, like, they have these types of launches. And, and before I had – so I had this launch. It was like a $750,000 launch. And before that launch, though, I had hired a person to do, like, a two-day kind of, like, mastermind workshops thing to help me, like, put, do the strategy for, like, my launch. I didn't do anything he told me to do. Um, so I just basically was like, I'm just going to do, like, a bunch of webinars, and that's all it's going to be. I was, like, pregnant and sick and puking, and I was like, I'm not going to sit there and record these fancy videos and stuff. I'm, like, nauseated. I can't even camera on me, you know? Like, I was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do it how I want to do it. And I ended up doing $750,000 in sales, and I had only been in business for maybe six months at that time, like, maybe, no, about almost close to eight months at the time. 
And, you know, I ended up doing over a million in sales in the first year. And that was by not doing what anybody else does. Like, I, did, I mean, I was sending out emails. I was just like, right? I wasn't like a master of copywriting or anything. I was just like saying what I wanted to say, you know, and, and doing webinars on topics I want to do webinars on. And, and I started doing webinars showing like the how-tos because I saw everybody complaining. They would be like, oh, when you go on a webinar, it's just a pitch the whole time. I was just like, fine, I'm going to do like five pitch-free webinars, no pitches. You're just going to get awesome content. I grew my list and that got people to buy it. You know, like I didn't you know, do it the way they, they, everybody else does it. And I still don't do my webinars or anything the way anybody else does it. They're, like, they're all asking me how I'm doing it. You know, even the payment plans. Okay, so the payment plan thing with my program, I decided to do it where they could pay like $200 a month for like 11 months. Nobody was doing that until I did that. Everybody else was doing like, oh, a $2,000 program, pay 400, 400, 400 for like four months or, or 500 for, you know, you know what I mean? Like they were doing like bigger chunks. I was like, people can't freaking afford that stuff. They're buying the course and then they got to invest in all these other things that they're doing. Like, it's like people can't even afford that. Like that's stupid. So I did like a whole long payment plan and now everybody does long payment plans. So I ended up becoming a trendsetter in things with, 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 to me, just by listening to my audience. I was like, do these people like not listen to like what these people are saying? Like when someone's emailing you saying they can't afford it, it's not because they're like completely broke. It's because paying $500 a month is expensive. You know, that's it's, for most people that's expensive. You know, like what happens if their car breaks down? They can't even afford to fix their car because they're paying you $500. You know, like people got some priorities in life. They have things they're working on. And so I listened to my audience. I was like, okay, what's something they could actually afford where it's stretching them a little bit where they're feeling it's an investment, but not so much where I'm literally making them go broke every you know, um, and I think a lot of people, they just don't listen as much as I do. And that's, I, I mean, I listen to them and sometimes when I listen to them, it doesn't work out. We have to listen to them too much rather than listen to myself. So I have to find like this, like right balance where I'm just like, okay, they say they want this. I can create like a beta version of that and then see do they actually want it and test it out. If I test it out and it works, okay, then I'll start selling this. But there's been times before where I was just like, all you guys said you wanted this. Why are you not buying it? You know, and and then I'm like, oops, maybe I should have done a beta test first and tested it out and see if they if they were actually being true to what they were saying. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, you know, intuition. And I feel like every launch I've ever done, I'm just following my instincts. I I mean, I honestly don't even know what the hell anybody else is doing. Like I don't I don't have time to pay attention. I got three kids. I you know I have a team that I'm managing. Like I I, I don't have time for that. You know, like. I don't, I don't know how, if you ask me how anybody else's launches went the past year, I would not even know anything about it because I don't even pay attention to it. I just do what I want to do and do what I feel is best for my audience. So having said that, I mean, obviously one of the things I've always admired about you, Camera, is that you put yourself out there. You are, have always from the outside looking in, you've always been authentic to who you are and to your punk rock roots and so on. Where does that confidence come from and a second part to that is what are the fears that you look at like you're so confident but do you experience fear going forward in this new part of your business yeah i do experience a lot of fear and there is actually quite a bit of fear around money that i've been working on because because i'm getting a divorce i'm currently buying out my husband and so um, there are some fears in regards to that because if like you know i don't make a certain amount of money and i'm still going to pay him a chunk of money every single month i still have to pay him you know, no matter what, like, I can't be like, oh, hold off for like, a, you know, a month or so, you know, like, let me catch up, you know, like, I can't do that because I'm buying them out. And, and so there is a little bit of pressure in regards to money sometimes. 
Um, but I don't know. I wouldn't really necessarily call it fear. It's more just like I need to make sure I get my head on straight around it um, so that I can actually focus and execute without coming from a place of fear. Um, you know, but when it comes to my confidence, it's one of those things, I get asked this a lot. Like, how are you so confident? I've probably been asked this on almost every podcast I've ever been on. And, um, you know, it's kind of hard to say exactly where it comes from. I wasn't raised in a home where people are like cheering me on or encouraging me in any way. I was abused. So, I mean, for, I was in the womb when I was being abused, you know, like the abuse from birth, um, trauma every second of my life. I didn't, I didn't even remember not having trauma as a child. Um, and I never got therapy for that or, or anything. And, you know, I was called stupid every single day. I was never like, even though I had straight A's, I was called stupid. Um, it was like, no matter what I did, I was never enough for anybody. And I remember when I was 10 years old, I remember like straight up just telling my mom to F off. Like I was like, no, just F off. Like I'm not, like I'm not, that's the first time I ever cussed at my mom or raised my voice to my mom, like ever. And I was just like, you're not, no, like that's not the truth. And I don't believe that. And it's just like something just came out of me. And I just had to be like, no, that's not true. And over, I remember even like the years through high school and things like that, I remember I told this one girl in my theater class, I, I sat, I was like sitting next to her, but it was like after school or after theater and we were just like sitting down, um, waiting for like our parents to pick us up from school, right? And, you know, I had told her, I said, you know, like I, I'm going to do something great with my life. Like, that's what I'm going to do. Like, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to. And she told me that I was egotistical and that I was self-centered and all that, like, and she went around telling other people, like, oh my gosh, Kimra's the most egotistical person ever, blah, blah, And all I had said is I wanted to do something great with my life. Like, I was like, I want to do something great when I grow up. Like, I didn't know what it was that I wanted to be. I was like 14, you know, like, and I told her that and she went around telling everybody I was like this egotistical maniac or something at the school. And it's, it's a very interesting thing because it just, it just is in me to be confident. It's like, I need, it's like, I have to be confident in order to do what I do, you know? And, um, even, I mean, even as a teenager, it just, it just came out of me. And yes, of course there was, there was other self-doubt things like, Oh, like boyfriends and stuff. I was like, Oh, should I talk to this person? You know, like there's always those types of things. Um, but when it came to just being myself, like I just didn't even care. It was like once I became a teenager, I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter what people think of me. I'm from Idaho. I was like the only girl in my school with a mohawk, you know? Like, I didn't care what anybody thought. And guess what? I ended up becoming the president of my school with a mohawk and looking all crazy. The only freaking weirdo there it was, you know? Because I was confident. And it was only because I knew I wanted to help people. And that's just all I've done. My, um, my uh, school counselor, he was very frustrated with me because every single time I talked to him, he was like, oh, well, what do you want to do? And I said, oh, I just want to help people. You know, <laughs> that's all I want to do. I, I, I have no other intention in my entire life. It, as long as I'm helping people, I'm, I am fulfilling my mission. And that's what I've always done with every business I've ever had, everything I've ever done, just help people. So if you could do anything, like where do you, like in 20 years from now, where do you see yourself? Because obviously you must be thinking long-term as well with what you're doing. And so... Like, if, if you could have accomplished anything 20 years from now, what would it be? I don't know, really. I think just raising awesome kids is probably the thing that's really my main focus for the next 20 years. Um, because I, I don't think too far into the, 
into the future most of the time. I mean, I do know, of course, that, you know, I want to have books written. I want to be able to inspire millions of people, but I don't know what it looks like. You know, I'm more just like, you know, like, who knows what it looks like with technology changing? Who knows? I might be like doing a speaking event from the freaking moon. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, you know, like, so I just feel like as long as I keep my focus on just serving, helping others and sharing, you know, speaking my truth, then I'll be able to accomplish anything I want to accomplish. It's all going to be related to that though, because that's, I feel like the essence of who I am and I'm able to, to keep doing that. You know, when, when I was in high school, I read this book called, uh, the seven habits of highly effective teens and you know i'm from idaho so everybody's like mormon there right i was mormon, but everybody every, most of the kids in my whole school were mormon and that book was really popular because the author used mormon right and so all these kids you know are reading this book and you know this one you know kids are writing oh you know what are your top priorities and it's, everyone's like oh get good grades in school or make this soccer team or whatever and mine was i had two don't be anything like my family members that was top priority and then number two was to help people. And that was like it. it well, and it was like particularly actually help girls. It was like to help girls. It wasn't like to help people, it was help to girls. Because um, for some reason I felt like I would be helping women. Like I don't know why, but I always wanted to help women. And, and even now, you know, like when I donate money, I donate to like battered women's shelters, and I do a lot of things, you know, about, around domestic abuse and things like that. I've been a feminist since I was like four years old, you know, like, you know, so like, like, I'm the person that's always wanting to help women in whatever capacity that I can. You know, I'm the person who, when I'm go walking down the street, I walk into the bodega and get like a box of tampons to give to the homeless woman. You know, like I'm like that person. <laughs> so like, um, you know, I, I, I've always like known that. When I was in high school, I knew I'd be helping women to some capacity. I always knew that. I didn't know I was gonna be a mother and be like really into like birth and like women empowering around birth. I don't know if you need any of that sort of stuff. So I'm like a huge birth junkie, just FYI and listening. I know like every single freaking thing there is about birth. Like I read all the books, I watched all the shows. Like, and it's funny because it's even been passed down to my kids. My oldest son, he kept asking, you know, like how are babies born? How are babies born? All this stuff. And so I'm like, oh, I'll show a video of like a cat being born or whatever. He's like, no, babies, like real babies. I was like, you want to see a real baby born? He's like, yes. And so I like curated some like water birth videos on YouTube and I showed it to my son. And he's like eight years old, right? And I'm just like, dude, he's going to hate this. He watched the video like 25 times. Like he was so fascinated. And even now he's like, you know, I want to help babies and I want to help kids. And like, and it, it just kind of like became like part of him too. And I don't even like talk about birth and stuff with my kids, right? Like, you know, but he's like, he like wanted to like learn about it and educate himself about it. He loves like human anatomy and all this stuff. Like, so I was like, I don't know, maybe he'll be a pediatrician. I don't know, or maybe a, some sort of midwife or something. Like, I don't, I don't know. But it's just, it's really interesting that, you know, what I'm interested in keeps it like floods like into my kids too. Even though I, I never told him anything about birth until he started asking me. Um, so, so yeah, it's like, I, I have all these things that are just part of me. And a lot of it has to do with like helping women. And I think that that's going to probably always be what I'm doing. And, and now it even more with Sacred Mama, it's with helping children too. So it's with helping like the parents, but also, you know, help children have these peaceful lives as well. Because if we can help parents be peaceful, then the kids can have peaceful lives. So it's kind of a combination of a lot of things now, but it's evolved, I guess, as I've grown. <laughs> what do you want for your children that you never had? They already have everything I never had. 
currently that I they literally have every single thing that I never had, which is you know loving parents who actually communicate with them, parents who don't beat them, you know like you know like like they already have all the things that I never had. They they're able to be creative and not be judged by it. You know they're able to not be criticized constantly on a daily basis. They're able to be free to express themselves. You know, they, they wear whatever clothes they want to wear. You know, they, you know, they dress how they want to dress. They listen to the music they want to listen to. They, they, they're able to have freedom. And when I was a kid, it was so opposite to me. I felt like I was in jail. Like, I was like, oh, I'm in like this little jail and I can't get out until I become an adult. And once I became an adult, it's like, I graduated high school two weeks later, I was out of Like, I was like, I moved to another state, and I was like, peace out. Like, you know, so I don't think my kids are going to end up being that way. I'm going to have to try to push them out. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, they, they're, already, they're already getting a different experience. And, and even now, you know, like, my oldest son, you know, he's like an MMA, he plays guitar. And, like, today I was like, oh, so how many guitar lessons do you want a week? And he's like, oh... And I was like, you know, the, I was like, the more you have, you know, the faster you're going to learn. And he's like, oh, I want three lessons, three lessons a week. I was like, well, let's start at two. And then if you keep showing how committed you are, then we'll move to three. You know, but that's something, I mean, I never had guitar lessons when I was a kid. I begged my mom for a guitar for 10 years. Finally, my uncle bought me one when I was a teenager. I'd have been begging since I was like six, you know. So, you know, my kids, they have pretty much everything that they, that, that I didn't have. They already have it all. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. So going forward with your new Sacred Mama, I'd really love to learn what you what you think what is the struggle what is the what what will you be struggling with as you go through this new version of Kimra um mainly just a lot of the vulnerability and rawness that is going to be coming out um I'm sure there will be lots of emotional triggers that are happening for me um particularly there is a story that I'm going to be sharing uh, pretty soon I've been working on writing it for the past like three or four months and it's actually my rape story and I've been working on writing that for quite a long time. And I feel once it is released, then all of a sudden I'm going to be getting this influx of emails and messages, and I'm going to be getting this influx of things. And so I've been preparing myself mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually um, for, for this, because I know that that's going to happen. And so I feel like when I start sharing a lot more of the raw, vulnerable types of stories, um, I'm going to have to be, that mental and spiritual preparedness, that's going to be my hardest struggle for sure. And it's struggling in my current business. You know, like when website crashes, okay, do I freak out and scream and smash my computer? Or, you know, do I actually like remain calm and solve this problem? And that spiritual side of you, is this new or have you always sort of hidden it? And how do you, how, what is spiritual, how are you preparing spiritually? Like, what does that mean? Is that meditation or journaling? I've been spiritual my entire life. I'm actually a medium. Um, And so that's, part of who I am as a person. So I'm highly intuitive. I'm actually going to have some of my altar over here. I have some more altar. You guys can see my altar over there. Oh, wow. uh, so yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm very spiritual, but I don't follow like any particular practices. Um, that's something that I do things like very intuitively. People are like, oh, like you like all this witchy stuff. I said, yeah, I do, but I'm not a Wiccan. Like I don't believe every single thing that they believe. I mean, there might be some elements I kind of like, but maybe I'm a little bit Buddhist too. You know, like, like I kind of have like, 
pieces of things that I, I connect with and resonate with. And so I believe everybody's really kind of meant to find their truth um, in that sense. You know, I'm not a person who's like, oh, oh, this is the exact specific way to do this. But for me, I've had to do a lot of spiritual healing. You know, like I said, you know, I was molested as a kid. I was abused practically every single day. I don't even remember a day I wasn't abused. Like, I, like, I don't remember one good day as a child. Like, at all. There, there isn't any. Unless I was, like, at a friend's house, maybe. But not inside of my home. Zero. Um, which is why it's so important for like my home to feel like so safe and so sacred and you know I like to keep my my home in like this it, it has to be a safe place I want my kids to feel safe in my home I want myself to feel safe in my home and so you know that's always been really important to me is creating a safe space for things and then even creating safe space for like communication and those sorts of things because I didn't have that as a kid either you know I wasn't able to communicate in a safe way like if I was like well hey like you know, having a bad time about this, I'd either be criticized for it or judged for it or screamed at for it and things like that. Um, so my spirituality is more just like I I know there's certain things like I need to let go of or or I need to release into the, the, the world. There's things that just aren't serving me, you know, and a lot of things, you know, like even like my mother, I don't speak to my mother at all. And there's a lot of people who think like, oh, you know, like that's your mom, like you just should forgive her. And I said, well, I have forgiven her, but that doesn't mean you need to talk to a person just because you forgave them. You know, like my oldest brother tried to murder me. I haven't talked to him in 10 years. Why would I talk to a person who tried to kill me? You know, like that doesn't make any sense. So, um, so yeah, I feel like there, like I had to release that and release that, that, you know, that stigma of like, oh, that's your family. You need to be in communication with them. Like that was something I needed to let go of because anytime I was communication with her, it was like, it was just draining to me. And I mean, my ex-husband, he was able to see it. Like we went and visited my mother, um, on a trip and he, after the trip, he said, we are never going back there ever again. And we will never see your mother ever again. Like, and this is before we even had kids, you know, like he was just like, you are not allowed to go around this human being. And so, um, so yeah, so it's like one of those things where it's like, there's big things sometimes we need to let go of and we particularly need to surround ourselves with people that are going to be supportive of us on our journey no matter what that journey is it doesn't matter if it's business journey spiritual journey whatever the journey is you need to be surrounding yourself with the right people and she just wasn't the right people you know and so i now i have way better other people i mean my my ex-husband like my mother-in-law like she she is my mother to me you know like she's the person who replaced what the mother that I needed, you know, type of thing. And so I was a, that was very helpful in that healing process that I did have somebody that kind of made up for that and, and replaced it in a way. Cause I remember like, you know, I never had good Christmases and things like that. And so every time around Christmas, I was so depressed. I was just like binging on alcohol, like every Christmas is like, I was so depressed. And, um, and then I, you know, I met my husband's family, it was now excess, but I met his family and they made Christmas awesome. And so now I'm like, oh, Christmas is the best holiday ever, you know, like, like, because I was able, now I'm able to make it my own with my kids. And, and I, that's all part of the healing process. You know, we need to think like, what are those bad things? Like, I mean, I had horrible baggage in relation to Christmas, but I was able to release that and be like, wow, look at this new Christmas that I have and this new experience I'm able to create for myself and for my children. And like even this year, I'm going to do a friends miss because I have all these friends who are like depressed and during Christmas. I was like, that's it. No one is going to be depressed during Christmas. The camera's around. Like, we're going to do a friends miss and it's going to be amazing, <laughs> you know? So like, it's, I mean, but that was a huge negative belief I had about Christmas. It was like, it was just such a horrible time for me as a kid. And then I had to release it and let it go. And now I forget 
love Christmas now. I'm like, oh, about Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm already ready to, like, look at, like, there's this catalog that came. They already got Christmas stuff in here for kids. I was like, oh, snap. Like, I'm buying all this stuff. Like, I'm like, I love this. <laughs> I love this stuff. I was like, I want a Christmas stuff. Like, I'm like, dying already. I'm just like, that's it. That's it. So, I love Halloween, too. Halloween. It's only September when we're recording this, and you're already excited. Well, I, yeah, I know. I'm like, this, like, yeah. So, um, so yeah. It's, it, my spirituality is just letting go of things. It's really like my spirituality. Like that's my form of it. And sometimes I'm using, you know, crystals. Sometimes I'm using, you know, just like writing and journaling. Sometimes I'm just expressing myself to a friend, where I'm just like, hey, I just need to dump this, and you don't have to even say anything back. Just, I just need to just let this out. And having those friends where you can have like that safe space. And it's really funny because I was reading um, uh, Mama Gina's book, Pussy, and she was talking about how they have, like, she has like this few friends where they do this like once a month where they just like let all of their shit out. Like, you know, like they, they're crying and writing and burning things and smashing things. And like they have like this like time where they just like, go crazy and they're friends and they, they make it a safe container for each other to do that. And I think, um, as women, we, we need these people who are kind of that safe container to do that. And, and I've been kind of developing that over the past, um, you know, a few years. And even recently I had sent um, a Facebook message to several of my friends and letting them know like, Hey, you know, I'm going to be releasing my story about my rape soon. Like, I just want to let you know, if I come crashing down, I need you guys to help me out. You know, and everyone is like, of course, you know, like, you know, you know, thanks for letting us know. Like, we, you know, we can't wait till it's released and so we can be supportive of you. And, you know, I feel like it's so important to to find that. And and it's kind of funny that I found that online um, more than even in person. Um, now it's in person because I live in New York and I'm like around my friends who I knew online uh, first. Um, but um, it's kind of interesting where my sacred spaces were always Facebook groups. I had, I started a mom's Facebook group over nine years ago. I still have the group, the community, and, you know, I was able to facilitate some, I mean, some of the closest friends I have are from that community, and they still have been all these years. You know, they've seen all my births, they've seen, they've seen me go through everything, and I think we all, we all really need that. I want to dig in there for a second about technology and your relationship to technology, because that's really interesting. Most people, I think, would have the opposite reaction, which is that technology is like what's triggering for them or being part of these social media communities is what's triggering. So how do you have any thoughts on like limiting technology or making sure that you're not overly triggered or overly influenced by being online all the time? Like what are your limits that you set for yourself and your kids? Yeah, for, I mean, my kids don't use social media at all. Um, besides, they do watch YouTube videos, but they only have particular channels we allow them to watch. Um, so I make sure I curate and, like, I'll watch a few of the videos from the person first and be like, oh, okay, okay, so this content's all right. Um, but for my, so for my kids, it hasn't really been a problem yet because he's only eight. But he does, he is like, oh, mom, will you post it on Facebook? Like, and then he comes back, like, a few hours later, says, oh, can I read the comments? You know, like, so he knows it, he knows it, you know, he's, he's ready to go. He's like, when do I get an iPhone? I'm like, hold on, you're only eight, like, chill out. Um, but so it hasn't been a thing with them, but for myself, I mean, even on my Facebook newsfeed on, on, you know, on my computer, I have it blocked where I can't see the newsfeed. Um, so I only spend time in groups. Groups, actually, I feel it's much more curated content because I'm only in groups that are, that are about topics I'm interested in. Right. So, you know, I have like this one group I go in all the time. It's called the kaleidoscope and it's all about sex. All they talk about is sex stuff, like just interesting things like, 
it's just an interesting group. I was like, wow, this is the coolest group ever. Like, you guys are so cool. And everybody's, like, open and just talks about things and going on the relationships and stuff. I was like, this is an awesome group. So I have particular groups, like, I spend time in and talk in and things like that. Um, you know, my vegan moms group, I spend a lot of time in there talking with other moms. Um, so I feel like my groups are curated. So it makes it kind of easy for me to handle. If I was just, like, reading, like, I mean, especially – last year during the election and stuff, I'm like, gosh, I'd rather die than be on Facebook, you know? Like, I was just like, this is the most horrible place ever. It's so toxic. Oh, my God. You know? So um, I delete my app on the phone, like, all the, all the time. Typically, especially, like, if I'm leaving the house, like, go somewhere, I just delete the app. And then when I come home, I download it again. That way I'm not distracted by it when I'm out and going out with friends and stuff. I mean, Instagram's not really a distraction for me. Like, I don't really use Instagram too much. Um... But yeah, I just delete apps off my phone and then I just re-download them again when when I'm I'm ready to hop back on them. Um, but yeah, I, I like to I like groups. Groups is like kind of like my jam. Like I've always loved groups. Like I said, I ran my started with my first group nine years ago. You know, so groups is that's my thing. You know, and and yeah, so I like I like groups. So I think if you curate what you're seeing, that's good. And plus, I also delete nasty negative people. So those people on my newsfeed that are negative, they're gone. Like like I don't I don't even care. I'm just a, out of here. Like, I don't want to see you on my newsfeed ever again, you know? And, and it, you know what's really funny too is I actually delete people on their birthdays. So I know this might sound bad, but <laughs> what I do, this is my way of curating. What, what I do is I click on the birthdays thing and then if there's people on there who I don't want to say happy birthday to, I delete them. <laughs> because that means I don't know them enough, right? That means like, I, I don't know anything about this person. Like, why, why am I like, <laughs> I don't waste my time to say happy birthday to a person I don't even know, you know? So I delete people on their birthday. It's really not nice, but it's the easiest way to curate, you know? Like, I was like, I don't know this person. I don't know anything about this person. Like, I look at their profile. I'm like, eh, done. And so it takes me, like, two minutes a day. But, like, I, I've been, it's been doing, working really well, too. My newsfeed's gotten so much better. Oh, that's so funny. Mm-hmm. But it's not any replacement for your sisters in real life, right? Like I, I also <laughs> recently have read that book uh, by Mama Gina and love it and love the messages, messaging around how important it is to surround ourselves with women. Yeah, and even my whole team is women. And I'm pretty close with most people on my team. I'm like, and it's funny because most of my team, they're, they're you know, contracted in, into my team. And I'm just like, if you guys were like, employees you might be able to sue me on some of the topics i talk to you about it's like i'm so personal with them you know um so i was like please don't sue me um and uh, but you know i feel like you know it is so important like i gotta have the people that i could just call at any time and just be like hey i really need to talk right now um and maybe i just need to cry maybe i just need to rage and vent um, I try not to rage and bit on a lot of my friends though because I know they're busy business owners um, and they don't really need my junk. Um, so I like to rage and bet where I'm just like writing or, or things like that or maybe I'll just like, you know, like writing seems to be like kind of the best way for me to get things out of me and like write, just like burn things in my little cauldron. I have a little cauldron back there. I like burn stuff. So I love fire. Like fire is awesome. So I was like, if everything could just be in flames all the time, that would be great. So, <laughs> but yeah, so writing and burning, those are kind of my ways of doing it. But I do need those women to just talk to and just like, yeah. to just be like, oh my gosh, like this is happening. And especially like, you know, right when I spend divorce and things like that, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I need somebody to talk to. Okay, so Cameron, what we do at the end of um, podcasts where we have guests, we are going to run you through the Proust questionnaire. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, um, and we just need like, it's sort of rapid fire, one to three words, whatever comes to your mind first. 
Got it? Okay. <laughs> you look so nervous. Um, what is- <laughs> I'm like, wait, I, have a, I, I don't try to Sandy, think. Sandy, don't ask her the political question. I won't. I won't. I won't. That one. I I think don't, I ask me, don't ask me anything political. No, no, no. <laughs> No, and I'm I'm Canadian, so it's just the whole this world. Is hilarious. There, so. It's hilarious because she doesn't even know what you're going to say. Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. So, Kimra, what is your idea of perfect happiness? Being around people that are happy. What is your greatest fear? Being a bad mother. Oh, I love it. What which living person do you most admire? Living person do I most admire? Living. Cat oh. Bondi. What is the quality you most like in a person? Being funny. What is your greatest extravagance? Greatest extravagance? I don't know anything extravagant. <laughs> I mean, really don't. I'm a cheapskate, man. I, like, I'm, like, I'm a cheap date. Um, extravagance. Extravagance. I guess, I mean, I do own I do own a large quantity of clothes, but none of them are expensive. Like, I mean, the most expensive thing I own is maybe $100. Maybe like yeah, so I, I don't know. That's fine. That's fine. You well, can I live in a beautiful apartment. And I have a badass rooftop, so that's kind of there. You go. That's that's pretty extravagant in New York. Which words or phrases do you most overuse? Actually, is definitely one. I say actually way too much. Um, and anyways, I say anyways way too much. I'm trying to delete the Roman vocabulary. I need like a speech coach to help me with that. Which talent would you most like to have? Ooh, talent! What I was like to have? Oh, I have a lot of talents already, but um, talent. I would say figure skating. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I did not expect that one from you. I love ice skating. I don't know. We all love ice skating. So yeah. So I like. I, I'm really good at roller skating. I want to be a good figure skater. Figure skater. If you were to die and come back as a person or a thing, what would it be? Ooh, you have some good questions. Okay, I come back as a person or a thing. I come back as Oprah. Oh my god! All right, I thought you were gonna say fire or something. A um, figure skating Oprah <laughs> on fire with a flaming outfit. Um, <laughs> who are your favorite writers? Favorite writers, um, Daniel Laporte, definitely. Um, it's interesting because I, I don't read lots of books. Um, I'm more of like an article reader. I need like mm-hmm. short, mm-hmm. quick, to the point. Um, Daniel Laporte's probably the only one I've actually okay. read books. So I would have to say Daniel Laporte. Who is your hero of fiction? Like movies, it's not to be books. Um, Harry Potter, Doctor Who, <laughs> Sherlock. Um, yeah, those are kind of the main ones. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite rock band right now? My okay, current rock band, I would say, who actually still plays is Rise Against. Old school rock band would be The Misfits. And what is your greatest regret? My greatest regret would be hmm, this is a really hard one. There's a few, there's a few, but <laughs> I would say my greatest regret is not dropping out of school when I was 14 and just going straight to college. Hmm. Like, I really wish that I would have just been like, screw that crap. I'm, I'm going to go make something in my life, like, right away. That's what I did. 16. <laughs> yeah, see? Yeah, yeah. Rather than wasting all those years, I wish I would have just went boom, right into it. Because I love education. Like, put education in my brain, and I'm so happy, you know? Like, so 
I really wish I would have done that. Educating myself earlier. <laughs> okay, and so we end each episode with a joy and a hustle. So one tool or resource that we can recommend to the community who of our listeners who that they can go and find. So a joyful recommendation and then a hustle tool. Okay, so the hustle tool would be this tool, it's called Airtable. And Airtable is really great for people that are like creative types and things like that because it's a spreadsheet platform, but you can actually look at it without your brain wanting to fly. So I hate <laughs> spreadsheets. Uh, passion. I hate spreadsheets. Like I would rather die than look at a spreadsheet. But it's really cool because like it's it's just so much more intuitive. And so I love Airtable. It's my favorite. I'm obsessed with it. I love Airtable. And then what was the other one I was supposed to say? A joy. It can be a food, a book. A joy. Okay. Um, a TV show, something that they can go and get. I mean, I would say my biggest joy is Amazon Prime. Uh, <laughs> I can't live without Amazon Prime. <laughs> you kids and you can get everything for your home delivered to your house. You know, the kid's like, oh, a kid needs your sauce. Boom, boom, boom. Tomorrow at your house. You know, like Amazon Prime is like the joy of your life for your mom's it's like it's just it's so easy when you're just like oh but the kids are like oh mom we're out of this all right boom and oh you americans you're in new york they have amazon now and it you can get food and groceries delivered within two hours ran out of diapers that's okay you open up the app boom diapers to your house in two hours like it's like amazing that's pure joy pure joy right there amazon gives me pure joy i like amazon like i just love amazon well, thank you, Kimra. I've enjoyed the, uh, the time we spent with you and really appreciate you agreeing to come on to our little podcast. So thank you. Thank you, Kimra. You're welcome. If folks want to find you, where is the best place that they can go right now? Uh, currently, the best place would be freedomhackers.com. That's where I have like free business trainings and it's kind of where you can find all of my stuff. Um, I also have a Freedom Hackers Mastermind group, which is kind of just my cool little hangout spot where me and like 42,000 other people hang out every single day talking about business. And then if you want to know more about my sacred mama and that journey, which is fairly starting, but there's gonna be a lot of blog posts and things coming out over the winter, um, is if you go to Facebook and just, just like type in sacred mama, um, it's M-A-M-A -A mama, and that's the best place you can start following me there. And learn more about my spiritual journey and my journey in this amazing thing called parenting. Thank you so much. Excellent. Thank you. Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast. It's also the name of our premium business course and community. If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba sample. Sample.